Our gospel reading for this morning is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 38. Matthew 11, 28 through 38. And it reads thus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The words of the Lord. Again, good morning, church. And welcome to those online as well. It's great to be in worship with you on this, as we said before, Super Bowl Sunday. Now, I have to admit to you that uh, the last number of years I haven't been that interested in the Super Bowl. I watch it, you know, just because, but I'm actually excited today. So if you're driving by the parsonage and you hear a little hooping and hollering and jumping up and down, just know that uh, your pastor's having a good time, hopefully. So we'll see how that goes. Well, as we uh, get started here today, uh, I do want to mention one thing before the sermon, and that is I uh, wanted to say just a special announcement because we're going to be doing something a little unique uh, coming up here for uh, Lent. So uh, you may not know it, but Ash Wednesday is coming up the first Wednesday in March, and that starts officially the Lent season. On Sunday nights uh, throughout that season, we're going to be doing something a little different uh, than we've never done before. We're going to be having a prayer night. Uh, here at the church throughout Lent, and Magnus and I are going to be leading that. I'm deputizing him to be honorary pastor as well for this, and so uh, we're going to be taking turns leading that group and having a good time uh, with it. So if you uh, want to come by, it's at 7 to 7.30. No need to sign up or anything. Just show up here in the sanctuary. We're going to have a time of prayer, uh, and it will be a good time together. So know that that's always welcome. There is going to be one Sunday uh, that Magnus is going to be going on the Walk to Emmaus, and I'm sponsoring him. So with all that going on on a Sunday afternoon and getting back and all that, we're going to cancel that night. So on March 13th, we won't have the prayer meeting. But other than that, we'll have the prayer meeting uh, on the other nights as well. And so just be looking forward to that. Uh, just to mention, we will still have the Wednesday morning uh, communion, quiet communion. So you can come in uh, anytime on Wednesday and uh, church will be unlocked and you can come in and have communion as well as a little uh, devotional time as well. Uh, that will be back in our prayer chapel back there. With all that being said, let's now pray to the Lord. Lord, may the words of my mouth meditation of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, one of the most unique songs to me, at least for me, myself, is when I look at the hymns of the church, especially in our hymn book, is a little hymn that's called, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Needy. You guys know it, right? And it's kind of almost kind of like a haunting melody, right? It's like, come ye sinners, poor and needy. Weak and wounded, sick and sore, Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, wealth, and power. And if you ever do this in a, in a shape note song singing, they actually get really fast at this point, but I won't do that. I'll go nice and slow for you. But then it goes, I will arise and go to Jesus. He will embrace me in his arms, in the arms of my dear Savior. Oh, there are ten thousand charms. 
And I don't know what it is about that song, but every time I, I hear it, it just haunts me to my bones in some way and makes me just experience God, almost get chills on my back. And not only the words that are great, but especially that last line of the, the chorus that says, oh, there are 10,000 charms. So I thought maybe before we go into the Lenten season, we'd have a, a new kind of little sermon series, woohoo, a little mini one here uh, the next couple weeks, and just talk about that idea of 10,000 charms in the Lord. And I think about the old English and the idea of charms and how really we just think of nowadays charm bracelets or something like that, or even maybe putting a spell on somebody and charming them or something like that. But the idea of that charm, that idea of just goodness, that idea of, of the Lord when you just have with his presence and in his presence, you're experiencing something so deep and so moving to the very being of your soul that words like peace and joy and happiness and thanksgiving all kind of flow out from there. And so I thought we'd talk just, you know, even though it says 10,000 charms, we won't do a sermon in a series of 10,000 of these, but we'll do a couple of them at least of just talking about in the Lord some of the good things that we have in him and some of his goodness towards us uh, in these days. When I think of this idea of the Lord and how goodness he is, you know, it's amazing nowadays that uh, a lot of pastor talks, you know, in different things. We have good conversations, and for many people it's interesting because they found that in this world today, that people have less and less of the stumble block to follow Jesus or to be open to God really is less the idea of, you know, science versus religion or a lot of things that have tripped people in the past. A lot of it is just the plain idea is, is God even good? Like there's even a debate there in many people's minds. And so whenever we have conversations about Christ and goodness, there a lot of people sit there and go, well, why is he good? And all these different things. And I think about the verse in Psalms, that, Psalms 34, 8, that says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? That even if you just step in just a little bit, if you just take a little tiny baby step towards the Lord, that the God's goodness will just be felt in your spirit and in your presence and in who you are. And today we're going to talk specifically about one of those. In our scripture this morning, that was read, just to remind you, it comes from Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28, but I just want to tell you, right before this, Jesus is kind of having a dialogue here, a monologue, I should say, where if you ever open up your book, and if you have a Bible that's printed in red letters, that Jesus, when he talks, they're printed in red. These are pages that are red, 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 and then a couple of little black page, you know, black sentences here and there, and then red, 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 and so Jesus is going on and on, but right before he gets to what he says in our scripture reading this morning, I want you to think about this, is he starts talking specifically to the cities that he's been doing miracles in. And he's talking, and he's referring to them, and he's preaching, and he's saying these things, and he says, you know what, these miracles that I've been doing in these cities, and they didn't repent, and basically he goes on, and he starts talking about, well, woe to them. Woe to them. And eventually he gets even on, and if you read on, he goes, you know what, if I had done these miracles in cities that were horrendous, like Sodom and Gomorrah, that, you know, when people, just strangers showed up, and they wanted to just abuse them in every way possible, if they had seen the miracles, they would have repented, and yet here I am in Galilee and these hometown and my people of Israel, and no one repents. And there are words, of course, that kind of have a judgment to them and kind of have a, a, an edge to them. But then right after that, even in the midst of that turmoil, he turns and reminds his disciples who he is. And so in verse 28, he starts talking to them, and he says, and to us and to any who would hear, he says, come to me, all ye who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, my kids are finally getting to the age where we can finally stop watching Disney Plus 24-7 and watch some TV. So commercials are now a thing in my life, and it was really hard to explain to my kids, this is a commercial. They're like, Daddy, it fell off. Like, what happened to my show? I'm like, no, it's just a commercial. It's going to be back on. They're like, Daddy, turn it back on. No, kid, baby, it's going to be fine. It's coming on, right? And so, but commercials have been part of my life, and so, of course, as, as with that, you know, it's always interesting to look at commercials and what they're selling, right? And whether they're selling food or cars or new product line to make your hair the most beautiful, fragrant thing ever or, you know, this, that, and this, and this, and that. I'm amazed to think none of them try to sell you on what Jesus offers here today. He says, I will give you rest for your souls. Of course, the reason for that is no product out there can even come close to promising that or even pretending to promise that for our souls. It can only happen through Jesus Christ. And I love the words that Jesus says here, right? Remember what he says. He just doesn't even promise us, but he tells us who his heart is. He says, I'm gentle and humble in heart. And so come to me and find rest for your souls. Many times in life you get so busy and going out. I know it's like a million miles an hour. But in the world that we live in, if you ever have that moment to sit with the Lord, you've probably experienced this. If you've been following Jesus Christ for any length of time, and have the Holy Spirit living inside you, you've experienced this, where the Lord will just mysteriously, in some way, touch your heart in the midst of hard times, or trying times, or stressful times, where the Lord will let you know, hey, my child, I got this. And for me, sometimes it's felt like different things. Sometimes it's kind of more in my head. Sometimes I feel it in my heart. Sometimes I almost get goosebumps, or feel kind of a, a flushing, almost like warm feeling that comes across me when the Lord will do this in my own life. But if you've ever walked with Christ for any time and sought him out and tried to taste that he's good, you've tasted the Lord is good by bringing rest to your souls. That he does indeed bind up those broken people, including you and me. And while there are many stories that can be shared about that throughout history, it's, of course it's always good to talk of one's own story and share that with other people. So I'm going to share a story here today of my own experience of the Lord when he touched me one time in my life at a time of turmoil, at a time of hurt. And the Lord said, Jonathan, let me remind you who I am. I was in high school, and uh, as mentioned before, I moved around a lot in high school, and that was because parents had financial difficulties, had house repossessed, I had to go live with my aunt for a while, and I was living in hotel rooms for a little bit, doing all sorts of stuff. But it was my senior year of high school, I had moved back to Georgia, and uh, was, my parents had a house, we'd moved in, we're doing that. And uh, another round of this felt like it was coming on, where things were starting to catch up with them again and just things going wrong. And so it was kind of, we were renting the house at the time, and so it was kind of one of these debates of, is all this going to just happen over again, right? Am I going to be going to have to live out in another state and start this over? And I don't know if you've ever known anybody who's moved during your years, especially those high school years, but what ends up happening is you leave and all your best friends are your best friends. But when you come back, even if it's been six months to a year, it feels like the whole world has shifted. And you just don't quite, the best friend thing. So there's a, there's a feeling of loneliness that happens there, even though your best friends are still trying to be friends with you and you're trying to be friends with them, but it just doesn't quite ever gel quite. You're just different people than you were before, and you didn't grow together. And so it was kind of a lonely time for me, even though I had people around my life and no one was hurting me per se or anything like that. But 
I remember it just being kind of a lonely time, it felt like. I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, am I, where am I going to be sleeping in the next month? Where am I going to be, what am I going to be eating? Where am I going to be being? Am I going to have to go back and live with my aunt? Or all these different questions. And I remember uh, it was Georgia that I was living in, and so believe it or not, it gets cold in Georgia too. You may not believe that, but it was a cold night. And in fact, it was one of those cold nights where it was going from normal weather, you know, Georgia rain, to like freezing. And so I was out, and the rain would kind of let up, and I was out in my driveway just kind of staring out into the night sky and just kind of being out in the, the neighborhood and just standing there and just kind of lost in spirit. And I felt just down in life. I felt like, why bother trying to do any good? It doesn't really amount to anything. You just kind of end up back in the same place again. I just felt spinning circles and doing nothing and uh, having gone through all those thoughts. And, of course, I had been following the Lord for about three years at that time of my life. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of prayers that go up, especially as a young person. You're like, Lord... I'm here, right? <laughs> I need some help, like, help me. And uh, praying to the Lord, trying to find him and search him and seek for him. And I remember as I was sitting there, you know, your brain just kind of wanders and you just kind of look around and I, I noticed that the ice or the water that was on the driveway, have you ever wa- seen been there at the right time, but right when it starts to turn to ice, it starts like fracturing and turning into the snow crystals. Like, you know, you've probably seen on your windshield a time or two or something like that. Well, this was starting to happen like all around. And so I'm just watching the ice form, and as I'm doing this, and just kind of interested in all the intricacies of how in the world it makes your mind wonder, how does ice form, and like, how does it make all these shapes and things? I was lost in those thoughts, and all of a sudden, I'm looking down, and I remember snowflakes started falling, and one of them kept, they kept landing on the back of my neck. Now, what was unique about that was one of my stories of my life, and I'm sure most people's lives, is the story of that prodigal son that Jesus tells if you don't remember, just real quickly, there's a son that asks for his inheritance, goes off, blows it all, basically goes to Las Vegas, destroys it all and all the whims of life, ends up working in a garbage dump, if you will. Finally, he goes, you know what, I'm going to come back to my father, and when I come back, I'm going to say, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And he's going to try to come back and be a servant in just his father's household. And when he comes back, his father does the unimaginable thing and comes running through the town embraces his son, and it says in, in the exact words that are used there, it says that he fell on his son's neck. I love that. It always stuck with me, that he fell on his son's neck. I mean, he, and you, when you read it nowadays, a lot of times they just translate he kissed, but like you just imagine that embrace, where the Lord embrace, or the, the father that is, embraces the son and just holds the son tight, falls on his neck, just kissing him. Doesn't even let the son get out the words, right, that he's trying to repent and, you know, say I've done wrong, and the father doesn't even let those out. They start saying, hey, go get the, kill the fatted calf, go get the ring and put it on his finger, get my robe and put it on him. This is my son, and he has returned. And that story of falling on the neck, just always in my life at that point, but especially at these years, was so dear to me. And it just felt like in that moment, you know, when the Lord just used something so normal to remind you of his love for you. And I remember in that moment, despite all that was going on in my life, the snowflake reminded me of the father falling on my neck. And there was this overwhelming sense of peace. Didn't fix all my problems. Oh, I was kind of worried what's still going to happen. But right, there was this overwhelming sense of the Lord saying, find rest in me. And in that moment, I found rest in him and found strength for that night and in the days ahead. And of course, story after story could be told of times where people and people of faith have experienced something so similar. But today, oh, a thousand charms, but one of the sweetest there is, is that the Lord promises 
He is gentle and humble of heart. That when we come to him, he, we find rest for our very souls. So may we as a church continue to come to him, to be a people whom the Lord has the opportunity to fall on one's neck and remind us that we are his children, that everything's going to be fine, that he gives us rest. Let us pray. Lord, as we thank you so much for this day, we thank you so much for your love that's new every morning and your mercies that are here again fresh this moment. God, for any of those that are here today, and even myself, who find themselves in seasons of life where turmoil just seems to be going left and right, today, God, we come to you, and we pray those prayers back to you that you promised through scripture that we read. Lord, give us rest for our very souls, despite our circumstances and despite what we're going through. Help us have life 